stopped, get him stopped. God and Moses both in a sidecar could not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he's done a double somersault backwards. My car will go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came in a Twinkie box. You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know, he's going to crash your shit, but he's still, he's still got great stories. Oh, they disappeared. Oh, I'm leading. <laughs> I'm leading. <laughs> you plated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat. It's all goddamn assholes and elbows. And if you ain't right, They'll send your ass to the rear. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Open Red, the official podcast of the world of Outlaws, NOS, energy drink, sprint cars from Dirt Vision. My name is Rob Blount, and alongside of me, as always, is the PR god of the world of Outlaws, Nick Graziano. I'm here again, as usual. Yes. Every episode. Yes. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yes. Uh, how is it going? Uh, it's going okay. Um, I'm a little worried, though. Um, today is my final day in my 20s, so I don't really know what's going to happen after that. I've heard bad things about getting old. Really? Tomorrow's yeah. the big 3-0, huh? It is. Wow. All right. Well, happy bur- uh, premature by a day birthday. Yeah. As we're recording, which is today, Tuesday? Yeah. It is. That'll be Wednesday. It is. Nice, yeah. nice Wednesday birthday. Those are always the best. Yeah. So much to do on yes. a nice Wednesday. <laughs> What are you going to do other than probably be here and get a sign put on your door by our lovely HR person, Tracy? Yeah, I'm probably be working all day. That's fair. Be a great birthday. Yeah. But hey, there's sprint car racing to talk about. Yes, and it could be worse. I mean, you could just not be 30. Like, you could just be not here. That got dark. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, could, there's worse things than turning 30. There are. There are. I'm not that worried anymore. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. That was a nice See? therapy session. Yeah, you're welcome. This is what I'm here for. Just here I think to, uh, Jason uh, Myers rubbed off, rubbed off just, on you. Just here to be a ray of, ray of sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> scared of 30, be scared of death instead. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's spray car racing to talk about. Uh, but you were in New York last week. So how was that? It was nice. Yeah, it was nice. I uh, liked your time. Um, I was still uh, working. All the time, though. We've uh, had to get all the Super Dirt Car stuff together, like our, our program. That's coming together well. And uh, the dirt went down at Oswego uh, for Super Dirt Week coming up. Nice. Uh, so just kind of up there getting all that together, which was a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to be home, see uh, parents and the dogs again. But now back in North Carolina, and here we go again. Yeah. All right. Well, sprint cars. World of Outlaws. Nos energy drink sprint cars. We're in action on Saturday. Killer Idol Speedway. Yeah, to close out the return to the West Coast. It was nice. Uh, it was like we talked with Peter Murphy. There was some. Uh, it was nice to see what he did to the track, and everybody seemed pretty uh, happy with it. Um, it definitely didn't look like the track I went to the last time. Uh, so, put uh, on some pretty good racing too. You know, he's a man of his word. I've already seen uh, in a, a tweet yesterday about plans to kind of revamp the Skagit Speedway property for next year also, which is another place that he is uh, in some way, shape, or form uh, in control of. So between Colorado Speedway and Hanford, California, and Skagit Speedway in, in Washington State, he's um, he's doing what he said on the show he wanted to do, which is try to revamp and revitalize things and try to revitalize the sprint car scene out west. Yeah, I mean, if you saw the crowd at Colorado, it was awesome. That place was packed, so it was really cool to see uh, everybody embracing it, and uh, 
see that at least fan-wise, uh, everything's pretty healthy out there still. Yeah, it's fantastic stuff, uh, especially after what we've gone through this year and you know what he said that he as a track owner has gone through that. I think he said that was only like the fourth show with fans on the stands. Yeah, really. So the fact that the track is even open is incredible because, I mean, all the times that he's been either not having events or racing with no fans in the stands and receiving no no income at all, he's still paying property taxes. He's still paying utility bills for water and electric. He's He still has all of his overhead to pay with nothing coming in to pay it. And the fact that it's still here and, and he got rewarded with a, a good show and a good crowd, it's really cool stuff. Yeah, I'd, I would say everybody's pretty excited to go back to Killer Auto Speedway now. I think that's, they've, they've put that track, the name of that track on the map a little bit more. I think when you hear that, you're like, all right, yeah, we're, we're excited to go back there now. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it was a pretty good show, too. Yeah, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, some pretty good action. Uh, we'll get into uh, all the, the more details of it. But, yeah, Carson Macedo won the uh, Tom Tarleton Classic, which pretty big for him. If yeah. you didn't uh, watch um, the broadcast or get a chance to read the uh, race recap, uh, there's a pretty good story between uh, how the Tarletons pretty much helped him get to where he is right now. And the Tarletons just... Uh Keep keep showing up in places. I yeah, think I believe they're showing up on the the hood and the quarter panels of the old five ride for Mr. Kyle Larson at Vegas this weekend in the Cup Series. Got their uh, traditional flat black with some silver on there. That'll be a cool looking car. Looking race yeah, car. it's it would have looked really sharp this past weekend under the lights. Of Bristol. Uh, that's when I first saw. I'm like, oh, that's gonna be an awesome Bristol car. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's not Bristol. Oh, okay, well. Yeah. All right. But it, it would look uh, it would look cool in Victor hey, Lane there we, in Vegas. There was a bit of uh, World of Alt Law uh, yes, connection at was. Bristol, thanks to Mr. Yes, Larson. Yes, there was. That was very cool. I So I got to tell you, I, I actually, uh, my fiance Catherine and I went to the cup race at Bristol on Saturday. We go pretty much every year. Um, Bristol, I'm sure you, if you listened to the podcast earlier this year when we were going to Bristol, I pretty much told everyone Bristol is my favorite place on earth and if she would let us I would I would get married there but that's not going to happen that's not where that's happening but um we're sitting there in the grandstands I mean, what, if, what and, if we get like a fan petition together they're like Rob has to get married at Bristol I mean if it's, we present that to her all the open red people present that to her I mean there's a better chance it would then. backfire and the engagement <laughs> would end <laughs> there's a much better chance of that than actually being successful <laughs> She's like, no, it is not happening. Get that idea out of your head. I'm like, I'm just joking, kind of, you know. I have dreams, too. (laughs) But we're sitting there in the grandstands in turn two, and uh, I didn't recognize the song at first. Uh, I know, points uh, taken away from me for not recognizing the song. But I was only, like, partially paying attention, and at the end of it, the way I heard, Larson, I looked at her, I'm like, was that Johnny? She's like, I wasn't fully listening. I'm like, I think it was. So we got home that night, or I should say actually kind of early the next morning, and we're in bed, and I'm scrolling Twitter, and I see a video pop up, and I'm like, it really was. That's a badass intro. It was, I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, it's cool to see. Definitely it's uh, very, very cool. Get some World of Outlaw vibes out there in the NASCAR world. Yeah, you, you cool. know, since we're pretty much synonymous, we're more synonymous now with Bristol, I think, than than even NASCAR is. So. Yeah, I mean, we saw the show that we put on there earlier in the year. Heck <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. I'm still blown away by that show, to be honest with you. I sometimes forget it's so wild that we even went there this year. I, this year's just flown by. It's like it's gone so short, but at the same time, the season's so long that you forget that certain things have happened. Oh, yeah. And then you're like... When you actually start talking about it, it's like, man, I feel like it was just yesterday that we were in Bristol. And then a different conversation, you could be like, oh, yeah, we were in Bristol. 
it's really weird. But um, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. And then uh, of course, I think it propelled him to victory because um, he went on a win that night. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I know he was pumped about it. I spoke with. Uh, I went to dinner on Sunday with. Uh, one of the former hosts of this show, Mr. Ross Weiss. Very nice. And uh, he said, if you don't know what Ross is doing now, uh, he is a videographer in the, the, the content creation department for Stuart Haas Racing. And he was backstage driver intros. And he said Larson came up to him and he's like, do you know what my intro is? <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? Like, are you, what your, like, your intro was at like the late model nationals at Knoxville? Because Kyle ran that this week. And he's like, no, tonight. He's like, no, how, how would I know that? He's like, dude, the song is from Woo02, and it's Johnny. It's going to be awesome. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like really pumped up. I mean, he, he, Ross said he was probably more pumped up about that than he actually was for the race, but he was pretty pumped at the end of the night. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's guaranteed we know you put the World of Outlaw decal sticker on your car, you automatically get like two tenths faster. So yeah. you play that before the race, that's a guaranteed win. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe he'll end up, he'll have to end up probably doing it again in Vegas to get Tarleton's victory lane out there too. So yeah, there's another big World of Outlaw connection. So I mean, it's writing's on the wall. Come on, sign the check, everyone. Sign the check. Everyone else may as well not even show up to Vegas. You're gonna lose money in the casino, so just don't go. You know, you're not winning it back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick, who's our guest today? Because uh, you know we're not gonna keep the secret anymore and try to play it up like this is big reveal since we remember now that we put it in the title of the episode and the show graphic and we're just idiots you know there's that one person that just goes into every episode <laughs> blindly and can't wait for the surprise and we're just going to ruin it for that one person now <laughs> you're probably right so it is Cy Lynch sorry to spoil it um, but yeah uh, you might remember uh, his dad is uh, Ed Lynch uh, he got a big win against Outlaws 2002 at Lernerville, uh, kind of popular. Uh, this is his son, Cy. Cy uh, kind of made a name for himself. Uh, Kings Royal, he's in quick time there. And, yes. Uh, he's done pretty well for himself now behind the 42 uh, car, uh, Bachman Motorsports. Um, he almost won against the Outlaws himself at Lernerville early in the year. So uh, we'll hear about that a little bit, uh, his career, and uh, what he's got going on. Fantastic. That'll be pretty sweet. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be fun. Let's get him on the phone and uh, get talking to Cy Lynch on Open Red. And joining us today uh, is Cy Lynch. Cy, thank you very much for joining us. I know you just said uh, you're at the shop today, so what do you got going on? Yeah, today we're at the shop. You know, with the Outlaws coming to town, it's, uh, it's well, on a normal week, it's a lot of prep. But, you know, we really go through everything and, and make sure that uh, everything's covered on our end. So where is your shop located? Uh, Apollo PA. I have the same. I'm working out of the same shop as as my dad and my grandfather did. Awesome. I know uh, you teamed with uh, Josh Bachman this year. How how's that how that partnership come to be, and how does that work with uh, whether his shop is and where your shop is? How how do you guys still kind of work as a team that way? Yeah. So uh, Josh and I have been friends for uh, a couple years now, and um, you know that friendship. Uh, is really, you know, what got us to where we are uh, right now. Uh, obviously, you know, through through the end of, of BRM, um, you know, he brought me on on the, on the business side of things uh, just to help him out. Um, you know, they weren't entirely sure uh, what direction they were going to go uh, through the end of last year. And um, so I was kind of brought on to help them through that process. And, you know, this year, um, you know, 
was just able to uh, help him on, on his end. And, and they were able to help me with a couple of the things that I needed. So a partnership was formed and, uh, we were able to, to have car, have a car ready for him whenever he wanted to race. And, um, you know, he got, uh, 10 to 12 shows under his belt this year as well. So it was just a, a mutual deal and, uh, you know, happy to have the buff and family, uh, you know, supporting us and, and, uh, you know, I hope it's uh, a bright future ahead. What has the transition been like for you in, in, in working with them? Uh, it's, it's been great. Uh, you know, it's been, uh, for me, you know, someone who has owned and and operated my team from, from the beginning, um, you know, I kind of looked at it as an opportunity, uh, to, to try to get to the next step. You know, I've always wanted to take racing as far as I can and, you know, I never really knew if that was, you know, me owning my own stuff. You know, that's kind of a lot tougher nowadays. I think uh, Brian Brown and only a handful of guys, you know, are, are capable of doing that. But it takes great partnerships to make that happen still. So, um, you know, it's kind of uh, a dying breed. Uh, most people are just drivers that carry their helmets now. And, and that's, you know, what you're paid to do full time. So, um you know, I wasn't entirely sure what that next step would be for me, but, um, you know, I think that this is a great opportunity one way or another on, on whichever way that, that it ends up. I know a lot of people probably recognize your name from the Pennsylvania area and Lernerville in particular, but I think a lot of people probably really learned uh, your name at the 2019 Kings Royal when you set quick time. Uh, it kind of surprised everybody in that 92 car. What was that uh, whole uh, deal like and just being a part of that? Yeah, that was that was a crazy deal. Uh, you know, I had a, a really uh, limited seat time at that point. Um, you know, I was I was in a 410 sprint car for I believe that was my third year at that point. Um, but that was actually a 305 team uh, locally to me, uh, and they. You know, they wanted to get a 410 motor. They already had a car and everything like that. And then, uh, you know, they wanted to just literally do it uh, just for Kings Royal, Knoxville, and Florida Speed Weeks. That was the original plan. Maybe Charlotte in between there. But, um, you know, they wanted to still stay a 305 program, but then just have a 410 just to literally do those big shows. And to me, I was like, you know, man, that's uh, that's a tough deal. That's a tall order to go to literally some of the biggest races, uh, in the country and, uh, you know, not have it, you know, not have a primary, uh, a team or, or backups or anything like that. So, uh, we, we just tried to do Kings Royal just kind of on a, on a whim. And, um, you know, we used my truck and trailer and, and some of my assets and, and they provided the car and, uh, we kind of just went into it with nothing to lose. You know, I, I never turned a lap around Eldora, um, you know, my dad had a lot of great advice and, and stuff like that since he went there so many times. And, um, you know, we were just trying to have fun with it. And, uh, really we, you know, we, we, we struck on something. We had a lot of great speed right off the bat, made three out of the, or two out of the three shows or whatever it was that year. And then on the final night, you know, we had a lot of, a lot of great speed. So, um, yeah, just uh, a really good deal. And, Obviously, with Eldora not happening last year, uh, it was, you know, kind of put a, a break in the sales. But, um, you know, I was really excited to get back there this year. So when you go out there and, and you set quick time at the Kings Royal with a team that you already said to yourself, like, man, this is this is going to be a tall order showing up the way in which we're showing up. 
when when you roll into the pit lane and and come to a stop and they tell you, yeah, you're you're top of the board overall. Like, what what is your reaction to that? Are you like, are, are you kidding me? Are you joking? <laughs> yeah, no, I um I actually so going down the front straight away going into turn one, you can see the jumbotron, you know, getting into turn two. And I saw that I was at the top, but I believe I was I was fairly early going out and qualifying. So, you know, I wasn't shocked to see that I was first. I don't I don't remember how many cars were already out, but um, I think what I was the most shocked by is I saw my time and I was like, man, that's that's a really good time. And, uh, you know, at, at no point did I believe that I would hold quick time the whole way through, you know, whatever it was, 64 cars or whatever. But um yeah, those were those were nerve wracking moments, um, you know, in the pits and, and watching every single car go out. And so many, you know, the, the toughest guys in the world, you know, going out. And, and um, yeah, I mean, it was it was just really something to to remember. So, you know, I'll, I'll never forget it. That's for sure. I remember that year they had like the special version of like the the dash they called the joust and every time that night that you were announced as you know tonight's uh quick time award winner cy lynch the place just went nuts like what was that like winning over the crowd at the king's royal well i i think it really it caught so many people off guard you know i i think people anyone who did know me they knew um who my dad was and and i think it was really early in my career and um, you know, obviously no one really knew the team. It was just a, a, a new 305 team. So I think it was just one of those moments where, where people just loved it. You know, um, you know, we didn't know how long we could carry the speed or, or how the night was going to go. Eldora is an extremely tricky track to try to stay on top of. The surface changes a lot at races, very different than how it qualifies. So, um, you know, we didn't know how long it was going to go, but, um, you know, man, I think the fans were just really caught off guard and, and that, uh, you know, we were just enjoying the moment. There was no doubt about it. Even though it's just uh, a quick time, it's still a big event, kind of big deal like you're talking about. What did that do for you, I guess, confidence-wise and maybe just even outside of Kings Royal after that? No, I mean, it gave me a lot of confidence. Um, you know, even in the A that night, we were moving forward and, and, uh, during the, the open red, um, you know, I really felt like I just needed a, a small adjustment to, to move forward. Um, we weren't able to make the adjustment that I wanted to make, but, um, you know, I still felt like I felt very comfortable and I felt like I could, I, you know, felt good enough to move forward, uh, into the field. And, um, you know, it just, it really gave me confidence to run with those guys, you know, at that level of competition. So, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of, it's just been a big mentality thing really. And then, you know, that same year we went to Knoxville and, um, we had three or four, uh, gremlins or mechanical issues, you know, Capitani and, and into the week, but, on that Friday, uh, 80 some cars, uh, we set quick time again overall at Knoxville. So, and we, you know, we raced fairly well. Um, but it, you know, it just set the precedent that we had the speed to, to compete with these guys. It was just, you know, obviously the hardest part is, is carrying it through the night and, and ending it. So, um, last year with COVID, you know, we, we honestly didn't get to race as much as we wanted. We didn't get to do the things we wanted to do. Um, 
but you know, this year and especially with this partnership, I think it's been, um, you know, it's been great. You know, we've been able to, to make it to some shows and, um, you know, we finished 12th at the Kings Royal this year and, uh, you know, we finished 10th in our prelim night at Knoxville this year and had some things go wrong in the other night, but, um, you know, felt good at the silver cup till, you know, we had a shock issue and, uh, you know, we have eight wins this year. So I think, I think we're rolling pretty well, but it's, you know, it's just trying to, to stay on top and keep the speed under you for sure. Definitely. Um, like you said, you had a pretty good year uh, so far and had that good run uh, at Lernerville to Outlaws earlier this year. Actually, that was one of my questions of what, what did happen that night. Um, but do you feel like um, if that didn't happen, that you'd be in pretty good contention to uh, get the win there still? Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's that's a tough deal. Um, you know, we, we put a perfect night together. Uh, I think we, we led the first 14 or 15 laps of the A still stayed in the top three, top five, um, you know, until after halfway. And, uh, we're, you know, we were feeling very solid and, uh, come to find out after we, uh, the left front, uh, shock stud broke off, uh, and just kind of one of those deals, you know, I never, never said anything about it. You know, a lot of people had their own versions of what they thought happened. Um, but in my opinion, you know, we, we know what happened. So, um, you know, just uh, one of those deals where um, to to win that race, I'm I'm not sure. You know, I mean, 40 laps is a long time, and you know the outlaws are just all so so good, and um, you know they really have their cars and and their mentality is set up for the final 10 to 15 laps of the race, and and that's what they make a living doing. Um, you know, so we were. I knew if I could stay out front, it's a lot easier to stay ahead of them than try to pass them. Um, but you know, I, I was just really happy to, to be able to compete and, and, uh, you know, stay up there as long as we did, you know, and, and I think moving forward, it's just another mental building block, you know, just, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, that, that kicked the sails of a lot of people as well. You know, they mm-hmm. thought that, that we could do it. I thought we could do it. I thought we had a chance to do it, let's put it that way. And, um, but we know that there's a lot of opportunities coming up, you know, and, and that's not the final, it's not the final silver cup. It's not the final outlaw show. Hopefully that I'll, I'll run. So, um, just another building block took it as a learning night and, uh, you know, looked at all the positives as, as what the night brought on. Well, what are those opportunities is this week as the outlaws come back to Lernerville. So what is your outlook heading into that race? No, I, I feel good. I think, you know, I think we're hitting our strides. Um, you know, we've had a lot of speed since Knoxville. Um, you know, we, we just constantly try to get comfortable, try to find speed. Um, you know, there's been a lot of, of variables this year, obviously with tire sh- uh, shortages and, and stuff like that. You know, we, <laughs> we've uh, had to, to do some different things. So uh, it's hard to, it's hard to find speed and then it's hard to maintain it. And the outlaws are the best in the world for a reason. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I have any level of expectation going into this this weekend. Um, but, you know, we know that we just have to dot our I's, cross our T's, and, and um, you know, the outcome will, will be there. So some people might remember, uh, so your dad got the big win against the Outlaws in 2002 at uh, Lernerville. Um, what was it like growing up uh, with basically a race car driver for a dad? Do you remember what that moment was for yourself that you're like, yeah, I, I want to do this too? Hell yeah. Yeah, no, for that, for that outlaw win, I was, I believe I was five years old and, um, 
you know, I, I don't remember the whole night, but I do remember uh, sitting in the stands and, and physically not being able to see uh, the last five laps of the race because everyone was just going going crazy in the stands. And, um, you know, we've watched that video so many times and, and truthfully, what a great race. And then, you know, for the two years after that, for him to come so close, you know, second and a third, um, you know, it was it was just a great great stint and great memories but yeah i mean i think the the most genuine thing for me is is um i i was born into it and i was a fan and and i was that kid in the stands playing with the race cars and playing on the 2002 video game and um i mean you know you get to be in the shop you get to watch it happen and then you get to go and and cheer it on so um i mean that's that's just all all we've known and you know, with him working a full-time job all the time and still trying to race 60 to 70 to 80 races a year, um, there was just never really a time for me to to get into racing at all. So um, me having a little bit of a later start compared to what kids have nowadays, you know, they're, <laughs> they're racing so, so early. Hmm. Um, and I didn't even get to climb in anything until I was 16. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been... I feel like I'm playing catch up all the time and, and, you know, kids are always doing better and, you know, but Hey, the older generation is still kicking butt out there as well. So it's, it's never easy. And, um, but no, it's, it's been great to, you know, to have the the family upbringing as well. Do you feel like now that you've been racing and I asked this question, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch it, you or Nick, but I just watched the, uh, the new Schumacher documentary on Netflix and, uh, near the end of it in one of his interviews, Mick Schumacher, Michael's son says, you know, I, I wish I could have gotten to speak to my dad more now, now that I can, we can speak the same language, the language of, of motorsport. Do you feel like now that you're racing, like you have that deeper connection with your dad that you kind of understand each other on like a, a different level now that you could both can speak that similar language? Yeah, I would, I would truthfully say that, that 95, if not more percent of, of, all conversations that my dad and I have are, are racing related to some extent, whether it's the, the business side of racing, you know, cause he owned his own team for his whole career. And, um, you know, I think that really goes overlooked, you know, how stressful that is in and of itself. And my dad was always his own crew chief and, and I am as well on my team and that comes with its own stress. And then also driving the car, you know, so, um, those are like three completely different mentalities that you have to uh have night in and night out so yeah i mean it's it's a tall task it's a tall order and um you know he he really has given me a different perspective on on things um you know and obviously times have changed now versus whenever he did it with social media and the pros and cons of that as well so um you know it's tough it's never changing it's very fast moving um but yeah, no, I mean, that's, I, I, uh, we can't talk politics much anymore. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy times. So we just talk racing. <laughs> For sure. Um, I guess when you, when you get into those conversations and you obviously you, you can lean on him, uh, for a lot of that, what, ha, I guess, what has been your trajectory in your head of where you see you want to take your team do you do you want to grow it to be try and be an outlaw team someday are you are you comfortable just doing kind of the local region thing for a while and see where that goes 
Uh, me, me personally, I would, I would like to just take racing as, as far as I can. Um, and I, I really think that there are so many different opportunities now. I, I think a couple years ago or, or many years ago, it was kind of looked at that in order to be a top pinnacle, you had to be on a tour. You had to be, you know, committed and, and out there racing a, a set schedule on a tour, whether it was all stars or outlaws or, or whoever it was. Um, but I also kind of see a different side to it now where there are a lot of shows, a lot of tracks, a lot of promoters are, are putting on great events, uh, periodically, sporadically all over the country. And, um, you know, especially in the region that I'm in and, um, you know, I think you can, if you really sit down and, and try to put a schedule together, uh, I mean, you can still put a hefty schedule together without having to commit to a tour. So, um, you know, I think it, it it's all about what you're able to do, you know, obviously all of my crew guys have full-time jobs, so that makes it tough. Um, but it, it just all kind of, I would have to see how it would, how it would go. You know, if we could ever be in a position where I could have, you know, full-time crew guys, then, then I think that's a different outlook, but, um, you know, it's hard to be in Wisconsin on a Friday, uh, you know, or, or something like that, um, whenever everyone has to work. So, uh, definitely, you know, we take advantage of, of the location that we're in and being close to Ohio and, and Eastern PA and still trying to hit the big events that, that we try to get to. So, um, yeah, but for me personally, it would just be just taking it as far as I possibly can. And, and, um, you know, whether that's me still being on the business side of it, or if that's just me being strictly a driver, uh, either way, you know, whatever would work best. So for those that, only know you as you know th- this dude set fast time at king's royal and surprised everyone in 2019 what are the kind of things that you're into uh, away from the racetrack like w- like what are your what are your hobbies that don't involve racing do you even have time for hobbies that don't involve racing <laughs> uh yeah it's 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 been a little bit a little bit tough this past year um you know right right after world finals last year is is whenever i became teamed up with, with the Boffman family and, and I had to relocate and, and handle some things on that end. And I was away from home for about, uh, six months, a little over six months and coming back and, and having to, you know, thrash to, I essentially had my own off season here at the shop in less than 45 days. So a lot of thrashing and then, you know, trying to, to be a two car outfit to, to have Josh's car ready anytime. And also on my own, um, you know, there, there really hasn't been a lot of time for much in the past year or so, but, um, no, with me personally, if I can get any time, I, I do love to golf. Um, you know, I love, love the beach. Uh, my heart's at the beach. If, if I took away, if racing ended today, I can promise you I wouldn't live in Pennsylvania. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I love, love warm weather, love being at the beach, uh, but also love to golf. So anytime there is any open, open time uh that's that's probably where i'd be i know you mentioned uh just being involved in the business side a couple times so what i'll say you're still early 20s what got you interested in that and do you do you enjoy doing that is that like you said if there wasn't the driver side of it was that something you think you'd enjoy being involved in just the, the business side of racing too uh yeah i mean if an opportunity came up um you know to it, it, well i mean my passion is is with driving right i, I never I never had a passion in the business side of it. That's kind of just the only option that was out there because I mean, it was, it was, if I wanted to race, I had to pay for it on my own. I had to make <laughs> it happen. And, 
um, that's kind of where it was. But I do believe that that there is a a certain mindset to it now, and I, I do believe that, um, you know, I believe that that can be nowadays that can be its own career path. Truly, if you if you wanted it to be, um, you know, if you ever did step aside from racing, uh, from driving, I should say, and and want to get into the business side of it and, and, uh, you know, I mean, any, any race team at any level, all-star outlaw, uh, even locally, it's, it does not happen without the partnerships and without the sponsors and, and, and without all of that and, and to handle all of that and to seek that, uh, you know, that really is a full-time job. I think you see it on all levels. There is someone that directly handles all of that to some extent or another. Um, you know, I remember, Years and years and years ago, uh, my dad would would personally print out uh, pamphlets, you know, and just mail them everywhere. You know what I mean? To try to just seek an opportunity, and and if someone would call him or anything, just to to form a partnership or a sponsorship. Um, but nowadays, they there really is someone that is directed to uh, bringing people to the front and and having a sit down and all that stuff. So. The business side, I think, is is great. I think you know, dirt track racing is is growing, and um, you know, with the help of Flow and Dirt Vision, I think that it's you know, it's really bringing a whole new audience. Definitely, yeah, definitely uh, an interesting aspect. I think a lot of people don't uh, get a chance to see how that works or what actually goes into everything like that. It's, like you said, it's definitely a full time job just to try and make that work to make a team work in general. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and to to build it and maintain it are, are two, you know, two big aspects for sure. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you so much, Cy, for joining us. So you don't want to take up too much of your time today. So uh, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on to Open Red and uh, having the chance to speak with us. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate having me and, and would love to be on anytime. Yeah, definitely. Good luck this weekend. Yeah, best of All luck. Right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, big thanks to Cy Lynch for joining us today. It was a fun conversation. Look forward to seeing what you can do against the Outlaws again this weekend at Lernerville and Eldora coming up now. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting for sure, uh, especially Lernerville, considering he, he was so strong earlier this year. And see if he can get a little bit of, uh, I guess, personal redemption against the Outlaws on Saturday night. Yeah, I know a lot of people had him uh, in their uh, pool picks or whatever for uh, Lernerville that day, so they're a little disappointed that uh, didn't get the finish. I'm sure he himself too didn't get the finish that he wanted. He was up there leading. I think he led about 11 laps or so in that race. Like you said, unfortunately he had the the shock issue. So it'll be uh, yeah, it's interesting to see if he can try and repeat, kind of sweep in, actually do the full sweep now. Yeah, for sure. You know what I was surprised by, and I'm always kind of surprised when I hear it is, excuse me, racers who are into golf. I always feel like golf would be too slow for people that just always live to go fast. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Well, he said he, he said he enjoys golf. Okay. <laughs> said he enjoys golf. That's one of his the things that he tries to do out, outside of racing. Is he goes golfing. I think it's a thing where you're always so fast paced, like you're always busy. Like even like him talking himself, he's he's in control of the business side of things, dealing with uh, crew guys and sponsors. That it's always your mind's always spinning, always racing. That I think golf is just kind of that time to just take a breath and just kind of do almost in a sense, almost just do nothing. You're doing something, yeah. but you're not having to overthink something. You're just 
trying to hit a ball into a hole. Do you golf? I do not golf. I don't either. I tried once and when I was like 20. I played uh, with my dad and my grandmother, and I got destroyed by my grandmother. And that was the day when I decided that if a lady in her mid-80s or early 80s can beat a 20-year-old at a game, it is no longer a sport. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a, I'm assuming, I think it's called the driver. Uh, the one uh, with the sitting, big head on it? Yeah, yeah. sitting in my office. Uh, so I'm assuming people probably think I'd like golf. Oh, yeah, you and, do have that And there. probably yeah, good I've at golf. It but it just kind of randomly showed up one day, and I've just kept it. So, yeah, I, I, I'm terrible at golf. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a hard game. I'll give it that. I still don't, I don't know. It's not for me. Yeah, I like I just go racing. Yeah. But anyway, thank you so much to Cy Lynch for coming on today. Uh, Best of luck to him this weekend and, of course, with his golf game as well. Um, And we had racing this past weekend. We did. uh, Unfortunately, there's only one, but still a good event. We're getting to that point of the year where there's just less and less. And there will be some one-show weekends, unfortunately. Um, And that kind of sucks that we're just about done with the season. But it makes it even more exciting when you finally get to watch it. And it's good. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Saturday was fun. Uh, you might even say it was a classic. Oh. I wonder why. I don't know. Maybe was it called it was, a classic? It was. It, Maybe was. it, was. it, was. it was Tom Tarleton hmm. classic. You might be able to call it a classic. Maybe. Uh, it was a Maybe classic a night for Carson Macedo. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was a good night for him. He's. You put Tom Tarleton on something, he's pretty much just going to take all of it. Is I'm pretty sure he won the first Tom Tarleton Classic when I believe it was just a 360 race there. I think they did a midget version of it too. He won in the midget. Now he won the World of Outlaw version of it as the second annual Tom Tarleton Classic at Keller Auto Speedway now. Also get got to uh, load up a $21,000 check. Yeah, you know, like we said before, he said uh, you know, he likes winning, but he wants to start winning those big money races, and he's starting to do that now. Yeah, that's that's some bigger money. Uh, so looking at the rundown, Carson Macedo got the win, started third. Finished first, $21,000, goes into his bank account, cha-ching. Brad Sweet finished second, started on a pole. Uh, James McFadden finished in third to round at the podium. Shane Golubic with a nice 14th, er, not 14th, fourth place run. Uh, I don't know even why I said 14 when like I'm clearly reading the number four. It's, I think you combined four and 17. I think and, I uh, might have actually was, like, done that. child of that. Then. Yeah, I think I might have actually done that. But uh, yeah, good run for him. Definitely, especially uh, you know that's five spots gained, ninth to fourth, not bad at all. Um, biggest gainer to finish in the top five, that's for sure, because McFadden gained one spot to go from fourth to third. Brad dropped one spot. Macedo gained two, um, so that, that ain't bad at all. Effectively, um, our last guy, or our next guy in the top five, he had he had quite the run to get back up there, because uh, him and Brad, I was so disappointed. We were gonna see. Him and Brad up front going at each other is going to be one of those fun races after they had their little scuffle at uh, Silver Dollar. Uh, all excited for that. And then, unfortunately, some freak thing broke on the front wing of Logan's car. Had to come in, get it fixed, went back out, and just tore his way back through the field and got a top five. It was pretty impressive. This is why you watch the races, because the box score... Doesn't always show the whole picture. It does, does not. It? No. It does not tell the whole the story. Because the box score says Logan Schuhart had a net loss of three. 
Started second, finished in fifth. But that doesn't tell you the whole story that, as you said, if he didn't have this issue early on, he probably just would have driven away with the thing. Yeah, he could have been, it would have been a really fun battle for the lead between him and Brad to see how aggressive they actually get with each other. Uh, which hopefully continues because it's, it's, yeah. it's not that they're uh, wrecking each other or anything like that. There's just good, fun, hard racing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, solid night for our friend Dominic Selzy. Started 12th, finished in 6th. Donnie Schatz finished in 7th. Brock Zierfoss, 8th. Kyle Hurst in ninth, And David Gravel rounded out the top 10. Uh, your lap leaders on the evening, Brad Sweet led laps 1 through 13. And Carson Macedo led the rest of them from lap 14 all the way to lap 35. Your KSC Hard Charger Award belonged to Brock Zierfoss, who gained 10 spots to go from 18th to 8th. Taking a look at the championship standings, uh, as you could imagine, with a second-place finish for Brad Sweet and a 10th-place run for David Gravel, uh, that's a decent amount of ground lost for Mr. Gravel, who is now 156 points back with 11 races to go. I'd say this is the cushion Brad wanted leaving the West Coast. Yeah, for sure. Because it feels like once we get past the West Coast, it's kind of all downhill straight to World Finals from here. And I think he's on a pretty good path to a third consecutive championship right now. Yeah, I mean, even if David goes out and just completely dominates at, at which is his best racetrack remaining, Williams Grove, I mean, Brad's probably not going to finish that bad at that place that it's going to eat up a massive chunk of the points gap. Yeah, David might chip into it. Maybe he'll get it down to, he could maybe, well, let's say, guess 100 points, maybe under 100 points going into World Finals. But even that, that's a lot of ground to still make up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, fat Lady's just about warming up. The Fat Cat, maybe? Uh, no? The, do they, do the they Fat sing? Lady Cat? I mean, it's a it's a big purr or meow or something, but, I mean, you could call it singing. Uh, I see where you're going. I tried for. to reach for something. <laughs> you reached really high, but I lost uh, a grip. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll <laughs> give it to you. Um, yeah, 156 points back is where David Gravel sits behind Brad Sweet. Carson Macedo is 184 points back in third. Donnie Schatz is still fourth. Sheldon Hoddenshield still fifth. Logan Schuhart in sixth. James McFadden seventh. Craig Kinzer eighth. Brock Zierfoss in ninth. And Jacob Allen rounds out the top 10 in points with 11 races remaining. As the Outlaws come back east and head back to Eldora Speedway this Friday night, and then Lernerville Speedway this Saturday night. It'll be a couple uh, fun races. Obviously, always been having some good shows at Eldora, and Lernerville's just been putting on some decent stuff, too. Um, back to the kind of the championship battle real quick. Along with Gravel trying to catch Brad, he's still got to worry about Carson Macedo right behind him. Yeah. They're not too far apart from each other and they're kind of just trading wins uh the amount of wins they have uh each this is career year for carson really just uh i think he's at nine wins now i think they're both tied at nine wins so it'll be interesting to see who can kind of top the other one um and then kind of the the meaningful portion of carson winning the tom tarleton classic uh some people might not know is the tarleton family like at one point i think when carson was maybe like 14 or 15 uh, his parents were like, they're just, it was one of those deals. Like you couldn't really afford to have him go racing anymore. So they're just going to sell everything. Uh, well, Tarleton's are related, uh, to him. Uh, they bought all of his racing stuff and helped him finish out the year. Then the next year they, uh, basically funded his whole racing career for the next, really, they still, they still do. They're still, yeah. you still see them on the car. So if it wasn't for them stepping up and helping to fund his career, he, we might not even 
see Carson Macedo out there. Yeah, Saturday was a big win for Carson in more ways than one. I knew that one was going to be a special one for him going into the night. And um, like I said earlier in the show, I was in Bristol on Saturday night. So when I got home and I'm not going to check Twitter or anything while I'm driving on the highway, when I got home and was able to check and saw that he won the race, I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, you could definitely tell it was uh, a big one for him, for sure. Not obviously big money, but just the even if it wasn't a big money, I think he'd still consider it just a big one for him, just the uh, the, the family tie-in there and everything. Uh, taking a look at what we have, lo- taking a look at what we have left this year, the rest of the way. Uh, as we said, only only eleven races to go. Um, but there's some pretty fun ones in there. As we said, Eldora this week, Lernerville this week. The week after that, uh, the National Open Friday and Saturday night at Williams Grove Speedway. That'd be a big one. Yes, uh, if you've never been, like if you're an East Coast sprint car race uh, sprint car fan, and you've never been to the National Open, I would highly recommend going. I don't know how many you've been to now, Nick, but I've been to just one, and that atmosphere was awesome. Yeah, I think I've been to three now, and yeah, last year was uh, had to be one of the biggest crowds I think they've had there. It, the it was, was the biggest. Was I the, remember yeah, them yeah. saying that. It was just jam-packed. I mean, just the entire infield, everywhere you looked around the track was just full of people. I don't think the line for the concession stand ever changed. It was just a <laughs> constant long line. And I remember I was hungry the whole night. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a really cool atmosphere. Uh, definitely one to check out if you ever get the chance to. It's awesome. It's just like, you go you go and you can, it's, it's perfectly set up to do some tailgating during the day or camp there throughout the weekend. And uh, just get that that kind of atmosphere, and then when the racing starts, the event just becomes wild. Honestly, the I mean we we've said it numerous times on this show, and I'm sure Ross and Justin have, have said it plenty of times in the past too. The the Posse Outlaw rivalry is a ton of fun to begin with, but then when you it gets really highly amplified when you roll back into Williams Grove that first weekend in October for the National Open. Yeah, it would be a good uh, time to watch the Outlaws shut out the Posse's again. Yeah, yeah. I uh, fully expect that to happen because Outlaws rule! <gasps> uh, moving forward after that, uh, the week after is the Nittany Showdown at Port Royal Speedway, Friday, October 8th and 9th. Uh, always fun, head to Lakeside Speedway. That'll take place on Friday, October 22nd. Uh, then we return to Oklahoma and Texas for Lawton Speedway and Devil's Bowl Speedway on Friday, October 29th and Saturday, October 30th. Those were originally scheduled earlier this year, um, but had to be pushed uh, way later in the year. And then uh, the grand finale, the NGK NTK World of Outlaws World Finals at the dirt track at Charlotte right down the road from where we are on Thursday, November 4th, Friday, November 5th, and Saturday, November 6th. Man, I cannot believe we're there already. I know, right? It's crazy. Um, and then uh, some news that was actually just announced Actually, to us yeah, just a few minutes ago. ago. Some breaking news uh, for the 2022 uh, Dirt Car Nationals. We had a little bit of a scheduled change. Uh, the event will now be starting on Monday, February 7th. Uh, it's about usually like a day earlier than usual. Uh, we'll start off that first day. There'll just be uh, Dirt Car UMP Modifieds. Uh, then Tuesday, Wednesday, it'll be the All-Star Circuit of Champions uh, paired with the Dirt Car uh, UMP Modifieds. Uh, then we get into the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars for the rest of the week. Their season kicks off uh, three races uh, at Volusia Speedway Park Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, all paired with the Dirt Car UMP Modifieds, although a little bit different than years past. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, Thursday, it'll be, uh, I believe they do uh, the special features for the Modifieds. Then the Friday on the 11th will be the qualifying races for the Gator Championship. Then the Gator Championship will actually take place on Saturday now. Uh, usually that's, I believe, the Monday, mm-hmm. the next Monday, that next week's Monday that usually takes place. But now that'll be on Saturday. Uh, and then Sunday, it'll be... Uh, Pretty much a day of rest for everybody. It'll be a day off. No racing at the Speedway for us. Um, take a little breather after uh, a good, fun week of sprint cars and modifieds. And then the next week, we'll get right back to it. But now with late models and the big block modifieds of the Super Dirt Car Series. All week long. Monday through Saturday. 14th to 19th. I kind of love it. Uh, I think it'll be awesome. You know, every, everyone's amped up for racing to begin at this time of the year anyway. But with an event so long, sometimes you can really quickly get burnt out. And, and this way, giving everyone a day off, uh, it'll keep everyone just energized and ready to go throughout the that whole second week, um, which even though obviously this is a, a sprint car show and that whole second week is late models and big block modifieds, it's still the return of racing. It's still Volusia. It's still the Dirt Car Nationals, and it's, it's still fun. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to miss the Dirt Car Nationals. That's it's for us. We're always there all week long, uh, so it's kind of becomes like a Groundhog Day a little bit. Yep. But even then, it's it's still such a, a good time. Volusia is they've really done a really nice job with that facility. Uh, it's a cool place to be. Daytona is not too far from there. If you get the yep. chance to go to Daytona and you get the day off, maybe go down to Disney or something like that. But then uh, just Volusia in general, we, we break out. All the good stuff. All the good, the awesome food vendors come out. Yeah, and great food vendors. The little party the new grandstands are awesome. The new grandstands, uh, everything they're doing in the infield. It's it's definitely one to add to your bucket list if you haven't been there yet. Uh, to me, that sounds like an awesome trip. Like, forget about the Super Bowl being that Sunday. You go down there for some sprint car racing um, for multiple nights, enjoy some sprint cars, some UMP modifieds. Go to like Disney or Universal on Sunday, SeaWorld if that's your thing. Maybe go down to Cape Canaveral and see some Saturn V rockets lying on their side and yeah. think how crazy it is that those things went into space and sent people to the moon. Get recharged, or maybe just, if it's a nice day, go to the beach. Hang out at the beach. I mean, the water's going to be cold, but you can just hang out on the beach. Get recharged, and then stick around and watch some Back awesome late racing. model and big block racing. It's just it's an awesome time. Yeah, all four of those divisions put on a really good show there. It's a good... Half mile, it's kind of got a little bit of a D shape to it, so it makes for some really fun racing. All four divisions put always put on a it's good show. It's fast. There. Yeah, super fast. World's that fastest half fast. mile is the reason they call it that. There's a lot of those. Yes, but this is <laughs> the world's fastest half mile on dirt. There in, is a lot of those. In Barberville, Florida. Yes. For the Dirt Car Nationals. There, I think there are three places that, that call themselves that, but I think actually if you do look at the lap times, I believe um, – I believe Volusia actually truly is. Yes. Yeah. Take that, Winchester and Bristol. Huh. So, yeah, you can catch all of those events on uh, Dirt Vision, as always. Um, yeah. I mean, that's this was something that literally just broke right before we started to record. I'm sure you probably wrote this press release. Uh, I did not, but I did help send it out. Okay, so see, Nick's yes. hit hit post, yep. hit send, and then marched his feet on back here and sat down, and here we are. Pretty much. Yeah, we got it all, got the whole PR team together, got it socialized through all of our divisions and everybody, and here we go. You got some news today. Yeah, yeah, there you go. We, we try to be good for something. Every now and then. Yeah. I mean, 
you're going to keep listening at this point, you might as well get something good out of it. Yeah, you can get your tickets for that um, soon, if not already now. Now, yeah, definitely now. Where can they go? Uh, you can go to volusiaspeedwaypark.com. Did I say that right? volusiaspeedwaypark.com. There you go. Do that. Uh, make a trip out of it. Enjoy. Take the family down. Do some camping, maybe. Get a hotel, maybe. House on the beach. That's fun. Yeah, it's it's fun because that's uh, about the only time you'll see everybody break out their cars that look in tip-top perfect shape. Yeah, that is for Volusia, sure. after they are going to get beat up a little. That is for sure. Um, I don't I don't know if I have anything else, Nick. Um, I say maybe just a, a thank you to Manscaped for uh, the episode today. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, we cannot forget our friends at Manscaped because without them, we wouldn't be able to do this. Um, I can't believe that slipped my mind, actually. Um, what didn't slip my mind, now that you've reminded me, is the fact that fans can go to manscaped.com and use the promo code OPENRED20 and get 20% off plus free shipping. I mean, I think you're going to want to do that before you go down to Volusia, you yeah. know, for beach weather and beach time yes. and all that. So I think it's a perfect combination. Yes. Go to volusiaspeedwaypark.com, get your tickets, then go to manscaped.com, use code OPENRED20, get your Manscaped, and you'll be ready for everything. The cool thing, too, if you get the uh, performance package, is that it comes with this cool travel case so that you can just put everything nice and neat into the travel case and then put that into your suitcase and take it with you. Perfect. I think that's a perfect combination. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The promo code, again, is OPENRED20. Uh, You can get that or use that at manscaped.com to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. Uh, so big thank you, as always, to our friends at Manscaped for helping us out and hooking you all up with a nice little discount. There you go. Learn something new, and then you get a little bit of extra on top of it, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's pretty much it. That's all we got. That's it for today. Until next time, friends. My name's Rob Blount. I am Nick Graziano. We'll catch you later. Bye-bye. Hashtag open red.